0: It was just over a couple of weeks ago that the Supreme Court in this land made it legal for homosexual marriage. What is the biblical response? What is the church's response to all this? We'll talk about that next on Graceful Truth. Whether you're on Twitter, Facebook, perusing the latest newspaper or news magazine, the subject at hand is homosexual marriage and the fact that the Supreme Court has ruled that it's legal and we must abide by that. So what is the biblical response to this? Again, as we take a look at the social media, it ranges all over. But there is a biblical response that the church should follow. And that's what we're looking at today here on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Please join us as we prayerfully look at this very serious situation. Here's Pastor Steve now with today's program. We need to be reminded
1: that there's a lost and dying world out there. And God has left us here for the very purpose of reaching them with the glorious gospel of Christ. Proverbs 1.7 says... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, this should not only really prompt us to pray for our leaders, but it should also prompt us to fear the Lord. It's a motivation for us to compassionately and boldly preach the gospel like we've never preached it before. And the very reason is, is because the God of the universe looks with sovereign disdain on the rebellion of these kinds of people. And we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying that somehow God would turn their hearts to Him. You know, it's, it's interesting when you watch different news broadcasts and you watch something like Fox News and you turn it on and you watch it and you, you hear people of so-called faith speak out and you wonder where their hearts are at because they seem to be moral people they seem to be quote Christian people but when you really do your homework and you begin to understand what they understand as far as their theology goes uh, to be frank they're out to lunch and yet they have a moral platform and they're probably good folks as far as the world is concerned but I wonder how many people like that are going to be surprised on the Day of Judgment when they're part of an organization or a church that doesn't teach the truth, that embraces error, whether it's the Catholic Church or the Mormon Church or whatever. So we need to be able to preach the gospel and preach it in a way that is bold, powerful, and spirit-filled. Fourthly, the f- fourth point I want to share is all human rulers and judges will give account to the one ruler and judge. Uh, Psalm chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says th- this. Psalm 2, 11 and 12. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Why? Be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with what? Fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Our country didn't get to this point overnight. Our country has been on a slow decline. You talk to people who grew up in the 40s and the 50s. The church was the hub of the community whether you're a Christian or not. Something went on in the community, it went on at the church. Now, you're lucky if the church is one of those spokes on the, on the wheel in the community. Most people don't even go to church anymore. And there's going to come a day when they're going to have to answer for this. There's going to come a day when they're going to have to give account to the one ruler and the one judge. Over in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 and 12, John writes this, Revelation 20, 11 and 12, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. See, they're going to have to answer, just like you and I one day will have to answer. Whether they're a district, circuit, supreme court, justice, doesn't matter. The responsibility of human judges is to obey the highest authority of the universe because the responsibility of all humanity is to obey Him. He is Lord. It's funny, when you go down to the supreme court building, you see spiritual influence everywhere. And yet they're so far removed from that. In the end, God will judge both the small and the great and he'll do it in a way that it's for their deeds. He will be fair. He will be exacting. There'll be no second chance. Genesis 18.25 says, the judge of the earth will do right. Right. And so we don't have to worry about that. One day, people will be held account for their decisions, for their actions. The fifth thing here I want to leave with you this morning is any present celebration of sin today will bring future frustration and judgment. As we speak in San Francisco, there's a giant parade going on. All sorts of weird things there. Things that are not honoring to God. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says this, Be appalled, all, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. First of all, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and ewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The basic element that makes up sin is nothing other than deceit. It advertises pleasure, but it only brings pain. It's the worst investor, because self-destruction is the certain dividend. And today, many are celebrating. We saw, just grieved my heart to see the, this rainbow effect put over the White House. I mean, boy. And what are they doing? They're trying to overthrow the good plan which God has designed For the propagation, for joy, for the good of humanity. But as with all perversion of God's design, it will prove futile and it will prove painful. Present celebrations, mark my word, will bring future frustrations. Sin wearies like water fetching with broken buckets. Have you ever tried to put water in a bucket that had holes in it, it's very frustrating. Worse than that, it ends to unalterable, eternal punishment. They're playing with fire and they don't even realize it. Proverbs 14.34 says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. When you look at our country and you look at the droughts, and you look at the shootings and you look at the murders and you look at all the stuff financially that's going on that's not good. Don't think for a moment that, oh, this is just a, a season we're going through. It, it'll turn around. Beloved, I, I just want to say this morning, this will not turn around until hearts and minds are transformed and turned around. God will not bless a nation that acts this way. He says very clearly in his word. And that grieves my heart as a grandfather to think, wow, what do my grandchildren have to look forward to? What do your children have to look forward to? That's why it's so important. That's why it's so vital that we don't point them to the world. We point them to the Savior. We point them to Christ, who can make a difference, who can transform their heart, who can give them an opportunity to be reconciled, reconciled with their Creator, to live a life That is honoring. Sixth thing I want to share with you this morning is that Jesus Christ has promised to build and to bless only one institution. Jesus Christ has promised to build and bless only one institution. And I hate to burst your bubble, but it's not America. (laughs) It's not the United States of America. Sometimes we think as Christians growing up in this country that we're the only nation around. Now, I'm very patriotic. I love this country. I think it's still probably one of the the most wonderful places on the earth to live. For all the obvious reasons. But Jesus Christ has promised to build and to bless only one institution. And he says that in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, I will build what? My church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when you stop and you think about that, you mean he's not interested in, in, in you know, having some big revival in America? No, he's interested in building his church. Can God turn this around? Sure, he could. I don't see it in the cards, frankly, but he could. See, though tragic, this, this court ruling is relatively small in the scheme of things which the true church of Christ has faced throughout its lifetime. This is nothing. If you all you have to do is go back and take a look at church history. This is just a small little blip on the radar screen. I mean, do you know that there have been times, and in some countries it still is this way, that it's illegal to be a Christian? It's against the law? God's people have been thrown to abused, starving, wild beasts as punishment as they ate their popcorn in the stands and watched these poor Christians be torn apart by the lions or whatever it might have been for entertainment purposes. Don't forget Nero wrapped Christians in pitch and he would burn them as human candles during parties. You look at some of the stuff that ISIS does, it's nothing new. Beheading people, putting their heads on posts. That's a sign. Do you know that at one point in history, in church history, Christians were burned alive by the Roman Catholic Church during the Reformation? Go figure. In many countries today, Christians are denied basic human rights. They're tortured, they're mocked, they're unjustly imprisoned. They're executed for their faith. You think of Pastor Zaid Abedini. Dear brother... In prison. And you see our government doing little if not anything to to help them in any way. Why? Because it's not a big deal. And yet many of these persecuting societies are nothing more than dust brushed by an inquiring archaeologist. They're gone. And yet the church survives. The Bible thrives. The word of God is still the word of God. It doesn't matter. Whether you call it truth or not, it still is. We need to be reminded of these things, beloved. Jesus Christ has promised to build and bless only one institution. That is the church of Jesus Christ. You can leave off the Latter-day Saints part because he's not blessing that. It's the church of Christ. And you know what? As a believer, you're part of that. You're on a winning team. You're on a, you're on a team that says, you know what, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. I don't know about you, but that should encourage you. Can you imagine if you knew for sure that your company was just going to thrive and thrive and thrive and never hit a hit a lull, never anything? I mean, wouldn't that motivate you to work harder? Sure it would. What if you knew in six months your company wouldn't even be around? If They would declare bankruptcy and be gone. Boy, you'd be worrying yourself sick. You'd go to work saying, say, I'm just putting in my time. See, a lot of Christians... Look at this present situation in the world. And and I think that that's, rather than being motivated by things like this, they just throw their hands up and go, oh, whatever. (laughs) No, we should be motivated. We should be driven to our knees. We should be praying. We should be preaching. We should be doing everything we can to get the glorious gospel out there into the ears of those who've yet to hear it. And we should be doing everything we can to live the glorious gospel before those who who have yet to see it, the church survives. And I just want to say that, you know, um, there's a reason why here at Grace Bible Church, we believe in church membership. We believe that it's essential. We believe that if you're a believer and and you want to um, become a member of. This church, we know you're a member of the Church of Christ, the universal church, but we believe local churches were established in the New Testament. They knew who was amongst them. They counted the folks that came in. They knew who to care for. And when it comes to issues like this that come up, it even elevates that more. And can I point to a chapter and verse where it says you should become a member of a church? No, there's not a, a Bible verse that exists. But it just makes good common sense. It makes sense because, you know what? When you join together as the body of Christ, especially in a local assembly, what are you doing? You're committing yourselves to really serve and to protect something that Jesus Christ said he would build. So it's a good thing. And it also allows the church to be protected as well. Well, the seventh thing here this morning is regardless of earthly circumstances, regardless of earthly circumstances, doesn't matter what happens, God's church is to stay fervently committed to God's plan. We don't want to wave off course. You know, this isn't, you know, something like this happens, we don't, you know, believe in, in getting a bunch of street signs and going down and picketing. and <laughs> That's not what we're called to do as a church. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. If you did that, you'd be in a world of hurt. Burn your house down. That wouldn't make any sense. But it says, what do you do with that light? You put it on a stand. And what's it do? It lights the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have to stay committed more now than ever to what God's plan is. God has left us here for a purpose. We're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that, you know, when we go out in this society, this city that we call Redwood City and we we live, that we're representing Christ. Christ. Not only that, but we're representing His church. Not only that, but we're representing Grace Bible Church. What you do at work, the way you handle yourself, what you do on vacation, what you do at play, whatever it might be. You're not your own person. Part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of Christ's church. Matthew 18 Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19 says, And Jesus came up and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're called to do. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes a willingness to serve. We don't want to get off message. We don't want to just totally reorient ourselves to, Well, we just got to become more political. And now. no. We live in a country where we're given the privilege to vote and I believe every Bible-believing Christian needs to take that privilege serious. And you vote for the best candidate based on your biblical understanding of morality and principles. I don't care what party they're from. Who cares about that? That's ridiculous. Are they going to stand for what God stands for? The Supreme Court's ruling charges nothing... For the what should we do as the church? It changes nothing. Because the Bible doesn't change. We do the same thing we were doing before. As a matter of fact, in this dark hour, we have a wonderful opportunity to do what we're always supposed to do. We're supposed to shine and we're supposed to speak the truth in love. We're to humbly, lovingly, and intentionally avoid the the bunker mentality... Man, just get everything ahead for the hills. You know, no, that's not what what Christ told us to do. We're called to be in the world with the hope and prayer that God rescues some. And maybe He'll use us to do it. Today's headline is merely a reminder. It's a nudge to us as the church. that you know what? Outside these four walls, there's a lost and dying world. And the last time I checked, the only answer to that is Christ. We're still called to love our neighbor. We're still called to unashamedly speak the truth that Christ was crucified in the place of sinners. And that you know what? This earth is not heaven. (laughs) We're just passing through. 1 Corinthians 13.6, Paul writes this, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. We're on the right side. And we need to express that. We don't need to do it in anger. We don't need to do it worrisome. We need to do it in joy. It says it rejoices in the truth. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is that through faith in Jesus Christ, even God's enemies can become his children. And this is essential. You have to believe this if you're a Christian. Romans five eight says, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ, Christ died for us. See, we've got to get out of the <clears throat> self righteous mentality. Oh, those bad people outside the church, you know, no, we stay away from them. No. We're called to go out and to reach them with the glorious message of Christ, that their hearts would be transformed by his power, by his spirit. Acts 17.30 says this, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. See, there's still an opportunity. Even though things look awry, God is saying, hey, there's, there's, there's still an opportunity to tap into my grace. I'll still accept that sinner that comes to me saying, well, be merciful to me, a sinner. I need salvation. I need a savior. It's my only way out. See, the hope of humanity, the hope of humanity is not, and it never has been, in an earthly king, in a court, or in some judge. The only hope we have is in the saving power of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, even if our nations represented the most respectable moral stand- standards, it would still be insufficient. <laughs> Do you understand that? They could outlaw abortion. They could outlaw same-sex marriage. They could bring prayer back into school. That's not going to change anything. It would still be insufficient. That's not going to save anybody. Because the, human, the greatest human need is not to pray in a school or, or to protect the unborn or even to protect the sanctity of marriage. That's not the greatest human need. Last time I checked, every human being enters the world as a natural fist-shaking enemy of God. How dare you? And yet, incredibly, the God of the universe stepped out of heaven into the muck of this humanity, this sinful humanity that we live in, He came down as a mere human being. He lived righteously, the Bible tells us, in complete obedience to God for 30 plus years. Then at the cross, he held himself accountable for our sin. He took upon himself the sin of all those who would ever put their faith or trust in him. He endured the righteous anger of his own father, God, the father which we deserved as sinners. Christ was treated, listen, he was treated as God's supreme enemy so that we might be treated as his beloved children for all eternity. And by turning from trust in self to trust in a Savior, in the Savior, we can enter into God's favor and begin living in the joy of obedience to him. So they ruled on marriage what now well we need to pray we need to preach and we need to persevere and we need to do all that in the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us
0: If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, well, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650 366 9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to uh, visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650 650- 366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth.